Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing The Assassin's Blade by Sarah J. Mass. This is the sort of prequel to the start of the Throne of Glass series, and it's divided into five novellas. Uh, I will start with our characters and location, and Vicki will give us a summary of the plot of those novellas. So this story opens up in Rifthold, the capital of Adderlin at the Assassin's Keep, where our main character lives. Uh, Our main character is Selena Sardothian. She, at the age of eight, was orphaned and rescued by Arab and Himmel, who trained her to become a renowned assassin. So Selena is described as having golden hair and striking blue eyes with a ring of gold around them. In the book, she's aged 16, 17 um, years old. She is cocky and arrogant, vain, terribly clever, and also compassionate and super capable. We have Sam Cortland, who is also an assassin, who was adopted in his childhood after his mother, who was a courtesan, was killed by a client. He's a year older than Selena. He has brown eyes and described as being gorgeous. He was also raised and trained by Arabin. And Sam and Selena have conflict frequently as they both desire to be Arabin's favorite assassin. And that brings us to Arabin Hemmel, who is the king of the assassins, and he runs the Assassin's Guild for all of the northern continent. He's described as being in his 30s with auburn hair. He is very charming and clever, but also conniving and possessive and pretty awful. All right, so those are three of our characters that recur in all of the, um, or in the majority of the novellas in this book. So the first novella is The Assassin and the Pirate Lord. The story takes place at the Sea of Skulls in the Dead Islands and features Captain Rolf, who is the Lord of the Pirates in the Dead Islands. He's described as being in his late 20s. He's lean and he has a magical map that's tattooed on his hands. Rolf is ruthless, which is how he got to be the Pirate Lord at such a young age. In The Assassin and the Healer, another novella the story is set in Inish which is a crappy little port town and it features Yurene Towers who is a young bartender for the White Pig Inn when Yurene was young her mother who was a skilled healer was killed by the king's guard after he outlawed the use of magic and so Yurene escaped to a relative's home and a year ago she left to travel to Antica to train at the Healers Academy there when she ran out of money and got stuck in Inish. In The Assassin and the Desert, the story is set in the Red Desert at the fortress of the Silent Assassins. And it features the Mute Master, who is the leader of the Silent Assassins. And in the Red Desert, he is well-renowned for his training and for having taken a vow of silence, he communicates with hand gestures. Um, And we have Ansel of Briarcliff, 
who is described as having striking wine red hair and red brown eyes and who Selena shares a room with while staying with the silent assassins. Ansel has been at the fortress since she was 13 after her father allegedly sent her to train. In The Assassin and the Underworld, the story is set back in Rifthold at the Assassin's Keep and it features Lysandra, who is a young courtesan in training and whose virginity will be auctioned off on her 18th birthday. She is gorgeous and inspires the worst in Selena as they frequently have petty conflicts with each other. We have Donaval, who is one of Selena, Selena's targets and his ex-wife, Lafer, who took out a contract on him. And they both come from Melisande. And then in The Assassin and the Empire, which is the final novella in The Assassin's Blade, the story is still set in Rifthold and it features Johan Jane and Rourke Farron. Jane is the crime lord who runs Rifthold and Farron is his second in command. They're both basically untouchable and Farron is a sadist who enjoys torturing and killing people. Vicky, do you want to take off with our plots? Yes. Okay, so like Marissa said, the first novella is The Assassin and the Pirate Lord. Selena Sardothian, Ar Adderlin's best assassin, is forced to go to Skull's Bay with Sam Cortland, a fellow assassin she has trained with since childhood. They have been sent there by Erebin, the king of assassins, in order to confront the Lord of Pirates, Captain Rolf, regarding the murder of several assassins by pirates. When they meet with Captain Rolf, they discover that they were sent there under false pretenses. Arabin is actually trying to broker a slave trade deal with Captain Rolf. Selena and Sam are both disgusted by this and decide that they have to do something. Selena manages to find out where the slaves are being held and what time the ships they are in will be departing. Then she and Sam come up with a plan to free the slaves. The night before the slaves are, to set, are, are set to depart, Selena causes a massive bar fight and she and Sam sneak out to the ships. Um, in the chaos. They disable the guards and Selena tells the slaves that they are free if they choose to take the ships and sail away. Sam and Selena try to sneak away to destroy the shipbreaker, a large chain that prevents entrance to and exit from the bay, but they are confronted by Rolf. Selena manages to distract him, while, um, which allows Sam to attempt to complete the plan. Selena manages to beat Rolf and watches as Sam destroys the shipbreaker. They force Rolf to agree that he will never again enter with the slave trade and that Skull's Bay will become a safe haven to slaves. They then depart back to Rifthold. The next novella is The Assassin and the Healer. After being viciously beaten by Arobin for freeing 200 slaves, Selena is being sent to the Red Desert to train with the silent assassins. While waiting for a ship that can take her there, she stays at the White Pig Inn where she meets Yarene Towers. Selena is restless. She is upset about what happened with Arabin and worried about what happened to Sam. So when she finds four men attacking Irene, she happily destroys all but one. Irene is grateful and Selena spends some time teaching her basic self-defense. The fourth man ends up returning with several others and one of them grabs Irene and threatens to kill her if Selena does not put her weapons down. Selena refuses and Irene is able to use the self-defense that Selena had just taught her. After Selena takes care of the rest of the men, Irene notices that she is injured and helps bandage her. 
They talk and Yurin reveals that she wants to travel to the Southern continent to learn how to be a healer. The next morning, Selena is set to leave for the Red Desert, but she makes a stop at Yurin's room and leaves a pouch of money and expensive jewelry so that Yurin can afford to travel to the Southern continent and achieve her dreams. The third novella, The Assassin and the Desert. As part of her punishment for releasing the slaves, Arabin has sent Selena, Selena to the Red Desert to train with the silent assassins and gave her the task of obtaining the mute master's approval. When she arrives, he agrees to let her stay at the keep, and Selena thinks this means he will train her. She soon finds out that she will only train with him once he calls for her. She makes a friend out of another assassin at the keep, Ansel of Briarcliff. Ansel has never trained with the master despite being there for years. However, she is sometimes sent into Xandria to deliver letters to Lord Barrack, the ruler of Xandria, who wants to eliminate the silent assassins. Selena goes with Ansel on one of these trips, but something goes wrong, and they end up stealing two of his prized Asterian horses. When they return, the mute master confronts them regarding the theft, and Selena takes the blame. The master realizes what Selena is doing, and finally, after weeks of waiting, decides to train her. This causes tension between her and Ansel, and they end up fighting. Ansel drugs Selena and dumps her in the desert. When Selena awakes, she is disoriented, but realizes that she was betrayed by Ansel. She sees around 200 of Lord Barrack's men headed for the keep. She rushes to help her friends, but by the time she arrives at the keep, many of the assassins have been killed or badly injured. Lord Barrack's men were easily able to get into the keep because Ansel purposely left the gates open. Selena rushes to find the master and runs to his chamber. She finds him drugged and Ansel about to murder him. She fights with Ansel, and despite having several chances to kill her, Selena does not make the killing blow. Instead, she allows Ansel to run and tells her that she will give her 20 minutes to get as far away as possible, and then she will fire an arrow at her. Selena gives her 21 minutes, and her arrow lands right behind Ansel. The Mute Master gives Selena his approval and sends her back to Riftold with enough gold to buy her freedom from Arobin. The fourth novella is titled The Assassin and the Underworld. Selena arrives back in Rifthold with the intent to pay off Arabin and gain her freedom. When she arrives, Arabin apologizes for his actions and showers her with gifts. He also gives her a high-profile client, a woman who wants her ex-husband, Donovan, assassinated for his participation in the slave trade. Selena agrees, and Sam asks to help her. She has mixed feelings about Sam. She is happy to see him alive and missed him while she was away. She also feels jealous when Sam gets attention from Lysandra, a young courtesan. Their relationship is tense as Sam makes it clear that he has feelings for Selena. She does some surveillance on her mark, but is caught by his guards. They take her to the sewer, city sewers, tie her up, and leave her there to die when the sewers flood. She manages to get herself free, but cannot find a way out of the sewers. Sam sees her in the sewers and tries to help her, uh, tries to help her out, but they cannot get the grate open. Selena, accepting her death, tells Sam to take her body back to Terrorism. Sam refuses to let Selena die and finds help to save her. He gets her out of the sewer, but she is unconscious. He manages to revive her, and she survives. She still has to kill the ex-husband, which she does successfully, but soon finds out that Arobin tricked her again. The ex-husband was creating safe houses for slaves in order to get them out of the city, and his wife was the one involved in the slave trade. The final novella is The Assassin and the Empire. She has successfully bought both her and Sam's freedom. They are living together in, apartment, in an apartment and they are in a relationship. However, Arabin has essentially blacklisted them and they are unable to get any contracts. 
Sam wants to leave Rifthold altogether and start a new life somewhere. Selena is nervous about this, but eventually agrees. However, before they can leave, they have to buy their way out of the Assassin's Guild, and Arabin is unlikely to let them go. When Selena and Sam request that he release them from the guild, he agrees, but for a very large sum of money. While Sam is ready to decline, Selena decides that it would be easier to pay it. However, this leaves them with almost no money to relocate. In order to make some money, Sam gets a contract, which offers a lot of money. The contract is to kill the local crime, crime lord, Johan Jane, and his sadistic right-hand man, Rourke Farron. Selena reluctantly agrees. They decide to take Farron out first, and for some reason, Sam decides he wants to do this by himself. Again, Selena reluctantly agrees. Aerobin manages to find out about their plan and warns Selena and telling her that the plan is dumb and they're going to get themselves killed. Selena brushes off his warning. The night arrives when Sam is set to kill Farron, but he never returns. Selena goes out looking for him, but cannot find him. When she returns to her apartment, Aerobin is waiting for her. He tells her that Sam was killed by Farron. Refusing to believe this, she demands to see his body. Aerobin warns her that she won't want to see him, but she insists. She is horrified by what she sees. Sam was clearly tortured before his death. Selena refuses to leave his side, and at some point she falls asleep or passes out, and Arabin takes her to her old room. When she wakes, she realizes that she is locked in. She overhears Arabin discussing their plans for retaliation, and Selena wants to join. She sneaks out of the window and goes to Jane's house. She breaks in and quickly kills Jane and his guards. However, while making her way to Farron, a strange smoke enters the room, and she passes out. She realizes that someone at the keep has betrayed her. When she wakes, she finds herself in the royal dungeons and soon has a private trial with the king of Adderlin. He sentences her to nine life sentences, working as a slave in the salt mines of Endovir. When her wagon is leaving, Arobin watches with Farron, and Arobin refuses to save her, saying that he does not like to share his belongings. On her way to the death camp, Selena is scared, but repeats the mantra that Sam taught her. My name is Selena Sardothian, and I will not be afraid. So, spoilers after this point, I kind of gave everything away, but <laughs> we knew, we all kind of knew it was going to happen. <laughs> so, um, but we'll talk about the details in the second half. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, both of us, this was a first read for both of us, right? Yes. Yeah. We, when we first read Throne of Glass, we didn't read the, I didn't realize that this came, was meant to be read before the first book or that there was anything before the first Throne of Glass book. And so for both of us, this was a first read. And I've seen lots of conflict on like the Facebook groups about whether you should read this one first or you should read it like in tandem with the other books. What, what did you think about reading this book after having our like having already read the other books and do you wish that you had read this book first do you think it affected your reading experience having not read this before you read the rest of the series no so here's the thing i'm glad i read it after because selena is very bratty and arrogant in this which she is in the next book as well she is throughout this she's very arrogant throughout the series but this is like a whole other level yeah and i i don't know if i would have kept reading if i had read this first also with sam's death in it i think yeah i don't 
I don't know if I would have wanted it was so sad oh my god Aww. I don't I, I don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um I, so I think it was better to read it afterwards it was also fun to be like oh hey I know Lysandra I know you know what they're referencing I know all of this stuff um so it was fun in that way but yeah I think if I had read it before everything else I, I wouldn't have I don't think I would have continued to read because boy, Selena. Yeah. It's quite someone in this book. She is. Yeah. She's very young in this book. Yes. Also, if um Sam's death tore me apart. Oh, and I knew I freaking knew what was gonna happen. Like you oh, literally man. texted me everything so that I could emotionally prepare. And I was still like weeping. Like I couldn't. <laughs> and so if I had not read any of the rest of the series and known where we're going and had read that. I'd be like, mm, nope, I can't do this right. emotionally. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have the emotional wherewithal to tolerate this for seven more books. So, <laughs> so I'm also glad that I did not read this book first. And I, I, I kind of like you, I mean, it was nice to be able to, because all of these characters that are in the events of this book are mentioned throughout the series. Uh, and so it is nice to kind of have this to go back and say, oh, when she talks about this character, this is what she's referring back to. Um, and and I, I prefer it that way. I don't think if, I think it would have, um, I might not have picked up Throne of Glass if I had read this book first. All right, so the first story is the assassin and the pirate lord. Um, I have a bone to pick about this story. So in this, like the, the very beginning of the story, this uh, Selena is introduced and they, they find out that one of the assassins, Ben, is murdered. And Ben was pretty close with Selena. He was, I mean, like, I don't know, 10 or so years older than her, but he was really kind to her and helpful to her in her training as an assassin. And he is murdered on a, um, on a contract and Selene is the one that goes back and fetches his body because nobody else is willing to. And then we don't ever really find out any, like it's hinted at that there's more involved with what's going on with Ben because he's brought up again in another novella, but we don't ever really find out anything more about him. And I would like to know, because it's based on what we learn about Arabin in this story, it feels like something shady happened involving him. Do you get that vibe? Yeah, definitely. I I thought there would be more to that. I thought yeah. there would be like some mystery solved with that, but yes, nothing. I thought that it would it? like come up again. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a loose end in terms of stories, and I don't remember him ever being brought up in any of the other books. So um, I was just kind of, I mean, it was introduced, and I was like, "Are we going to learn more?" And I kept waiting and kept waiting, and we didn't learn more. Yeah. So. But I feel like based on what we know about Arabin and how possessive he is, I don't know if he felt like, like I got the vibe that maybe Ben got too close to Selena because she mentioned him a couple of times in their like friendship or whatever. Um, and we know how possessive Arabin is. So I just wonder if he set him up to be killed. Probably. He sets everyone up. Freaking dirtbag. I hate Arabin. Like I hated him when I read this like the series the first time. It's like, gosh, this is the, this guy's the worst. But after reading these stories, like, oh, he's so much worse. 
Yeah, he really is. I mean, we don't get an extended um, amount of time with him in the main series. You know, there's like one book where we've got a couple like intense chapters with him, you mm -hmm. know, and a lot of it's memories, but this is like one-on-one -on -one interactions with him, seeing what he's like, how horrible he is. Yeah. Um, so I just hate him so much now. Yeah. Like I didn't like him before because he hurt our girl, but wow. Yeah. You know. Like it, it just gives context to the, the bad feelings that I had to him before and that I had for him before. So yeah, he's uh, way worse than I even thought he was before. And I thought he was terrible first time around. So that's a special element. Yeah. Just burning hatred. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Selena's packed off to the dead, the dead islands with Sam um, like, I, I'm like low key attracted to Rolf. I know. Are you? Like, yeah. what is that? Like, is I was it like, a pirate? I guess. I don't know. There was just something about him. Yeah. Like, he just sounded like this, you know, swaggering uh, magic tattooed. Uh, I'm super ruthless. I mean, ruthless. Like he became the pirate Lord by killing all of the pirates who thought they were better than him. So it's, he's confident. And that's something that, you know, you appreciate in another person sometimes. So maybe it's that maybe, <laughs> maybe I never grew out of the pirate phase with pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. I like to swagger too. Yeah. I mean, he was super confident and he didn't actually come off as much besides the slavery thing, which is really bad. But other than that, besides slavery, like he didn't like, I, okay, well, let's compare him to the other males. Right. In yes. Um, <laughs> the bar is pretty low. The bar. Yeah. I mean, our expectations are really low here. And so in comparison to like Arabin, he's really not that bad. No, he's not. <laughs> I feel like he probably treats his pirates with respect. Like, I, I don't think he, yeah. he would go out and betray them over and over again, you know? Right. You know, right. He, you know, he, he definitely like leads with or rules maybe with like um, this set of expectations. And if you betray him, he's probably going to murder you. But like, if you know going in what his expectations are and you, you betray him, then you get what you get. So, I mean, he doesn't strike me as being like con as conniving and deceitful maybe as Arabin was. Um, and I appreciate that. She was so cocky and like, I could not believe her arrogance and talking. Like she's like, uh, these pirates, ugh, I'm so much better than them. Uh, this is a disgrace that I'm having to stay here. It's like, okay, you 16 year old little twit. <laughs> I know. You cocky little assassin, like calm. Calm down, Selena. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that different, you and I. It's, I mean, it's just, yeah, she was super um, snobby about the way that she talks about them and then being below her. It's like, okay. But did you kill all the pirates who thought they were better than you? I don't know. No. <laughs> I mean, she has killed a lot of people up to this point, but still. True. Oh, you know something we didn't mention? She wears a mask. Yeah. Nobody can see her face. Nobody knows. 
so that she's a 16 year old girl that's i like how at the end to distract rolf she whips it off and he's like oh yeah he sent a like a child i know you're a girl (laughs) a young girl you're 16 (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was that was i loved that moment too She's like, I mean, so we see later on in the series, we see Selena's like come up with these brilliant plans and she really like masters playing the long game. Um, And in her early books, we see like some of her cleverness and planning, but she thinks on her feet really well. And so this is one of those examples. It's like, things are about to fall apart. I need a distraction, whip off the mask Mm -hmm. and it works. It works out for her. So, yep. Um, her relationship with Sam in this book is interesting. Mm -hmm. So they're at each other's throats at the start of this book or this novella. Um, Mm -hmm. and she basically gets him. I mean, she's just really hateful to him, which I guess it's resentment and jealousy over competing with each other for Arabin's attention over a long period of time but we we know it's not all that because we find out later on that Sam has loved her for forever mm-hmm. and so I mean I just and they're both really snippy with each other I wonder if part of part of that on his part is him like resenting being in love with her especially because she does treat him so bad yeah yeah, I Not think also have feelings for her. Yeah, I think it also probably hurts because she doesn't trust him because obviously, you know, right. for obvious yes. reasons. Yeah, and his morals align a lot with hers, like mm-hmm. with slavery and stuff. And I think he's like hurt by her not telling him what she yeah. was up to and not telling him what she found and what she was planning mm-hmm. um, when he would have jumped to help her. Yeah. Yeah, they have a a lot. I mean, they have a lot in common in terms of just their beliefs and the way that they were raised in their family. I mean, both of their parents were murdered, mm-hmm. both orphaned, both started training as assassins at the young at a young age under Arabin. Um, and so that and miraculously, they have the same like sort of um, moral code or belief system, um, which when you're raised under someone like Arabin to even have a conscience at all would be astounding, like astounding. So for them both to have these really strong feelings, like they, they have this very strong feeling and code that they follow when it comes to like slavery and different things. And so that's what motivates them in this story and, and unites them. Um, and Sam kind of, you know, he goes along with her cause he doesn't really have a choice, but he, he, has the same views on slavery that she does and so when she says in the book like she she makes a choice the jobs that she takes and she takes this job because uh, mm-hmm. Arabin doesn't really give her a choice and he's dishonest with her about the nature of the job and so she um ruins his plans and loses him a lot of money because he lies to her yep and then she suffers the consequences of that um, because he beats the hell out of her and um 
that doesn't strike as being like it doesn't strike as having any sort of or following like the code of the like you it sounds like the assassins get a choice the types of job that he choose they choose and so in being honest he takes away her ability to choose to make an informed decision which lacks honor yeah the her orchestration of the plan to free the slaves is so brilliant i I love that scene Mm-hmm. so clever yep she's so sneak like so she asks the questions and she gets all of the details and she does it kind of by like insulting Rolf you know mm-hmm. like oh are we definitely gonna get like can we inspect the slaves so that she can see where they're being held mm-hmm. right you know she um asks like when they're setting sail right I don't remember exactly what the pretense was for asking that but when she goes and examines the slave, she's like, well, can any of them speak the common tongue? Mm-hmm. And there's like, why does that matter? Because it'll make them more valuable. But she knows then when somebody like raises their hand and they can, they're like, you're going to be my translator for when I board the ship and like try to free you of that. Free mm-hmm. you so super clever. And then you you mentioned, um, we, were ta- we were just talking about choice, but she gives the slaves a choice in this. She's like, I took out the guards, you know, my friend Sam's over there taking out the other guards and you can either sail away, you know, you'll have to row, you can get away or you can stay here. It's your choice. And I thought that was interesting because people are sometimes, well, we see it actually in the next story. Um, so used to like their lives and kind of their conditions and stuff that mm-hmm. it makes it hard to escape. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 There's a accustomed to that. Yeah. There's this it's not a myth, it's just like a parable of the frog who's stuck in a glass jar with a cap on it. And it every day it tries to jump out, but it keeps getting hit. Like it can't because the lid is there and it stops trying. So they take the lid off and it doesn't escape because it's given up and stopped trying. Yeah. That's this that I thought of. That's sad. I just said. Mm. Thanks for that. Uh, going back to pirates. Yeah. When, so Selena's plan takes off. Of course, Rolf figures out what's going on. He's like, what are you doing? And Sam takes off running. Um, there's like, it, it's harrowing. It's so <laughs> exciting and tense because Sam takes off to the couch, the couch, the tower or whatever, where the, the catapults are and where this, like, the shipbreaker, I think is what it's called, this, bat, like, massive chain that keeps ships from uh, leaving or entering their port. And, like, just, like, all of these other pirates are following him. And there's an explosion, and he, like, rigs the catapult so that it will, like, it's so, it's such a good action scene. Like, I could see, it's like watching a movie. I could see it happening in my mind. Yep. Man, it was great. Yeah. It was, it was super, super exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to the assassin and the healer. Yes. So we meet Yareen in this story, who later will appear in Tower of Dawn. Oh man, we love, I love Yareen so much. Um, and so we get a little bit of an origin, uh, an origin for her in this series with this book. 
What did you think of this one? So I liked it. This wasn't my favorite of the stories, mm -hmm. um, but I did enjoy it because like we get to see, like you said, we get to see uh, this character that we'll see a whole bunch later on, like a whole book. So, um, and knowing this, we already, you know, we already kind of knew her origin story, but getting to see it happen, getting to see her struggle mm -hmm. um, and seeing Selena's impact on her like that, that she was really the catalyst mm -hmm. for a whole bunch of events that yeah. end up happening. Um, so I enjoyed seeing that um, at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did too. So, I mean, it's this is the shortest of the novellas that's in there in here and it's really just a good little primer for Yurene when we'll meet her earlier, but we get to see some of her background interaction with Selena, which is great. And she, Selena does a lot to empower Yurene in this story, which is fantastic. So she teaches her some self-defense moves. She pushes her to, because Yurene at this point, she's been in uh, Inish for 11 months, which is much longer than she planned to be there trying to save money, which isn't really working out really well. Yurene is uh, trying to save money to get to Antica. And she's been in Inish for much longer than she planned. She's kind of, she hasn't really kind of become um, complacent, but it's kind of like the drive to get out has sort of fell, fallen to the side a little bit. Um, and she meets Selena and Selena really, you know, pushes her to take the next steps to get out, to um, try to look for or take advantage of opportunities to leave. And um, she teaches her self-defense moves she there are a lot of things that she imparts to Yurene. it's like these are things that I have learned just like as a woman that exists in our world mm -hmm. um you know in terms of like being safe in the dark in dark streets or by yourself um learning to protect yourself like her story is very relatable just as a a woman who I feels threatened at times and so um i I found her, you know, her story wasn't my favorite and it, it, it wasn't super deep relative to maybe the other stories that we see, but it is very relatable just in that aspect. So I like that Selena gives Yuri the pool, the tools to empower herself, but then she also tells her to teach it to every woman that she can. So uh, she's giving her the tools to empower other people as well. Um, we see that goes back to the slaves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. so. and then she literally empowers her with money she gives her um the money that she takes off of the people who tried to rob yuri um, and she gives her the brooch that arabin had given her is just like a, a sapphire or something or a ruby i think the size of an egg which i can't even fathom like <laughs> um but she tells Yurene. Let me give you some advice from one working girl to another. Life isn't easy. No matter where you are, you make choices you think are right and then suffer for them. So if you're going to be miserable, you might as well go to Antica and be miserable in the shadow of Taurus Esme, which is great. Uh, first of all, I think it's good advice. Um, but also in this story, so Selena has... Uh, has returned to Rifthold at, in the wake of liberating those slaves, which caused 
Arabin to lose a whole lot of money because he was planning to obtain and sell those slaves. And so he punished her by beating the crap out of her. And she's uh, appearing in Inish, um, still covered in bruises after Arabin beat her so extensively that she um, was unconscious. And so, yes. And so in this story, she like in her chapters or in her passages, she's uh, got these reflective moments where it's almost like she feels a little bit bitter about choosing to free the slaves because look where it got her. Arabin has packed her off to the Red Desert as punishment for messing up his business deal after beating the crap out of her. And so when she gives this advice to Yureen, it's almost like she's talking to herself as well. Uh, we kind of see her start to question the wisdom of her decision to free the slaves. And it becomes a question of um, choosing to stand by your convictions and get punished for them or just doing what you're told, even though it goes against your own moral code and the things that you believe in. Yeah. Several times in this, I think it's in this story, she wonders about what happened with Sam as well, because after she woke up, she didn't see Sam again. So she doesn't know, like, did Arabin kill him? Did he mm-hmm. beat him? Did he come out unscathed? Like, what happened to him? She doesn't know. And she, uh, you know, for, um, and Sam is kind of like her kind of nemesis, I guess, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like uh, finding favor with Arabin. And so, we see sort of a, a different viewpoint in her relationship with Sam because it's not like she feels, uh, she's not in love with Sam at this point, but she, well, hmm, uh, she feels concern for him, which I think is more than she allowed herself to feel for him before. So let's move on to the assassin and the desert. Is it the yes. desert? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to the assassin and the desert. This was my favorite story. Yep. Agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, it was just so captivating, I guess. There was a lot of excitement. We get, I think, greater emotional depth from Selena in this book. We see a lot more and we see some involvement of, um, I don't know, just like the descriptions of the trainings and the, the things that she experiences in this one. Um, it was very exciting. Um, and I, I just so, I mean, I so enjoyed it, especially because we, so when Ansel appears in the series, we really aren't given just a whole lot of um, background information with her. Like with Yurene, she explores kind of a lot of focus is devoted to Yurene in Tower of Dawn and we don't really get that with Ansel so she's still a little bit mysterious even in the rest of the series and we find out way more about her in this story which I liked. Yes. One of my favorite parts was her training with the master. He taught her um, basically he had her observe all these desert animals and I think he starts out with the snake with the ass. Yes. Um, and so she learns how to move like one. She does all these observations. And I just loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it interesting because 
you would think that as an assassin, as somebody who's the best, you'd want to keep being the best. And one way to do that is to go and train with others and learn other different cultures and other different assassins moves, right? Yeah. But she was so resentful of being sent there, mm-hmm. which I mean, I goes, well, she's 16, she's 16, 17, you know, like, right. she thinks Teenagers. she's the best, she's cocky, <laughs> but still you'd think she like would get there and be like, oh, wow, look at all this, this different stuff that they're doing. You know, I could learn so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I found that surprising too, but then she mentions in this story how, um, I think it's this story, how uh, when they train with Arabin and his other assassins, there's um, almost like the spirit of competition and not sharing things about yourself with others, not sharing your own techniques, not sharing things like that. Like it's almost like your your defensive moves are kind of like a, a secret or meant to be guarded. Whereas when she works with the silent assassin, she begins to realize like they're teaching each other new stuff. They're sharing new techniques so that the knowledge grows um, and everybody benefits. But I can see how, I mean, when we think about just Arabin in general, but also his other dirtbag assistants or (laughs) assassins that work for him, they're all terrible. And so I can see when you're raised in that environment, how you wouldn't want to work with new people because it's, it would give them an idea of like where they could find weaknesses with you. Right. And compromise your safety. Um, and that's, that's the big, like the, that's the big thing with Selena is like, she can't ever let her guard down even at home. I mean, things are a little bit less intense at home, but like, even then she can't ever let her guard down mm-hmm. um, for fear of being attacked by one of her fellow assassins. So that surprised me as well but when she when she mentioned that about um assassins teaching each other it kind of made a little bit more sense yeah um when she uh when they steal the horses Mm -hmm. and like ansel's spirit i mean i know she ends up being the bad guy in the story but ansel's spirit is just so admirable to me especially based on like this when you put it in like frame it in light of the awfulness that she experienced in her childhood and the death of her family and that she can like and maybe that that influences some of it she came so close to being dead like why not live in every moment that you can but when they steal the horses and they gallop away and the soldiers are chasing them and they make this ridiculously huge like jump across this valley or whatever like just the freedom the boldness the daringness it was a great moment to read. At the end of this story, when he gives her like piles and piles of gold, mm-hmm. right? What is it that the mute master says to her? Something like, so he breaks his vow of silence, um, basically. And he says, tell Arabin that we don't beat our assassins. Oh, shoot. Hold on. I either took a picture of that or. <laughs> of course you did. Highlighted it. <laughs> Um, the mute master says, when you give your master his letter, also give him this talking about the gold that he's given her and tell him that in the red desert, we do not abuse our disciples. That's right. I loved that. What a powerful moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I want, I didn't want her to leave. I was like, just stay there. 
Yeah. Don't go back. Bad things wait for you. Yes. And she acknowledges that she doesn't want to leave either, Um, which is interesting. I think it's, you know, she has such, she's got so much trepidation about going to the red desert. She even entertains the idea of just running away and not going to the red desert and not returning to Rifthold. And then she gets there and is still like really wary, I guess. She just wants to get the master's approval and go back. But when she actually like experiences, I mean, so much growth as an assassin and just as a person um, in her relationships with people, with the silent assassins, um, it's her first, and I guess maybe she hasn't really trained with other assassins in different areas that are not rift hold but she gets to see a different way of why a way of life like a different way that she can be treated ansel was so resentful of the mute master for not ever like personally one-on-one training her even though she'd been training at that place for like five years yeah um do you think that he never he never chose to try to train her one-on-one because she was never really honest with him Yes. Yeah. So she was never honest with him, but she wasn't, she was dishonest in a way to like protect herself. Whereas when Selena was dishonest to um, the master, she was doing it to protect Ansel. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. And I think that's why he chose not to train Ansel and did choose to train Selena. Yeah. I agree. Um, Ansel's betrayal was so hurtful and we you come to realize that Ansel drugged her and left her in the desert for Selena's own protection that was her messed up way of trying to help save her because she did feel some some connection um, with her in terms of their friendship but it's just it's so hurtful to read about for Selena because she doesn't really have friends. She's not in a position where she can have that and she wants it. Her life must be so lonely and isolating. And and so we finally get these nice moments where it's like she's, she's found a friend and then it, it goes awry. She, um, Selena has um, a conversation with the mute master after Ansel's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she asks she uh, she just talks with him about um like if he's going to share what happened with Ansel anything like that and he says to her um if you can learn to endure pain you can survive anything and he goes on to talk about how Ansel's pain is something that she internalized and she allowed it to fester uh, yeah to fester and to affect her actions in a negative way Um, and that just that, that if you learn, if you can learn to endure pain, you can survive anything. That phrase had me in my feelings because, um, was a little spoiler warning for the whole series. We know that Selena has to endure so much pain and suffering. So that just when I read that I thought oh is this what like is this something that she carried with her were these words that she took with her when she was suffering so the next one after that is the assassin and the underworld um how did you how did you like the story 
Oh boy, did I hate Arabin in this story. Wowzers. Yep. Um so Selena returns from the desert. And she, so she, it's almost like she was buoyed by the words of the master. Like she had this great experience in the desert when she thought it was going to be terrible. She realized that life could be different. Um, and she's got money to buy her own freedom now, courtesy of the mute master. And she gets back and it's like she, Arabin greets her and he's like, hey, you know, he's just not, it's like, Meh, welcome. And then he's really weirdly affectionate with her. Um and she becomes complacent about her place. She's like, oh, I won't give him the money to buy my freedom yet. Mm-hmm. She goes out and gets an apartment, but she decides, mm, I'm not going to tell him about it or move out yet. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. She gets uh, complacent in her surroundings because I mean, and you know, this is, this has been her home for the last what eight eight or nine years and so it, that makes sense um it would be hard but i like he he beat her and she and this is part of what frustrates sam in this part of the story too he's like do you not remember everything that he did to you because sam does mm-hmm. it, it's killing him like he's so angry and um, but she uh she becomes complacent and this is something that comes up a few times in the series. Selena needs like really big moments to motivate her to change, which is, you know, that is frequently like the catalyst for change. Something happens. It knocks you off of your, you know, your axis and you say, okay, something, something's got to happen. And so she, she decides, okay, I'll wait until Arabin pushes her too far. And she's like, you know what? I'm buying my freedom. And then Sam is still under his whatever. And she's like, okay, so I'm going to buy his freedom too. And I'm moving out. Like it's, I think it's the situation with, um, I made a note about it. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. So she pays him the money to free her, but then she still stays in the, in the keep. She's like, I still want to work with you. I just don't want to like, we're square from here. And then she gets comfortable. And then that thing happens where Arabin tricks her into killing someone who was working to free slaves as a, like a way to get back at her for messing up his slavery opportunity in the first novella. She's like, you know what? I'm moving out and I'm paying for Sam. Like these things happen to try to, but she, she does it takes something. There's not like a, I'm going to do this because it's the best thing for me. It's like, Oh, I'm comfortable here. And we see that happen in Crown of Midnight, particularly. But like even in in the next book in Throne of Glass, there are a few moments where it's like, oh, I'm just gonna stay. Yeah. So and I mean Arabin, when she gets back, he like showers her with these gifts, he apologizes. Mm-hmm. He's just like textbook narcissist. Yeah. Like, this is an abusive relationship. He's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't mean to take it that far. Um, it's like, this is abusive. Yeah. This is an abusive relationship. It won't happen again. He gives her all these gifts. He buys her stuff. 
And Sam is like, how can you, how can you do this? Because he is affected. He is Mm -hmm. so, because he loves her and he is so affected and he can't leave because Arabin owns him. Right. Freaking dirtbag. Selena gives him the treasures of, or the um, trunks of gold that the that the master used to reward her and then Arabin turns around and uses that money to buy Lysandra on her bidding night and purchases her virginity for a record setting amount of money (laughs) their relationship her relationship with Arabin is just so odd and she she mentions it i don't think it's in this book i think it's the next one there's like this father figure slash like wannabe almost lover like role slash like her boss like there's all these bizarre and so his interactions with her first of all it's super skeevy like to be purchasing somebody's virginity mm-hmm. you but <laughs> Ugh, this is just so he's known Lysandra since she was a child, just like Selena and Sam. And so he's invested all of this money in her like training as a courtesan so that he could purchase her. Like that is so disgusting. I know. The grooming. Ugh, ugh. Disgusting. And he does this to try to make Selena angry, like jealous. Um, And it works. To an extent. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if, oh, this is so weird. Ugh. So weird. That is so disgusting. Um, Yeah. And then. Um, this story is also where Sam declares his love for Selena. Yes. So sweet. They have an interesting moment. Like the, just the, the progression of their relationship in this story is interesting co- too. Cause it starts out like she returns and she's like kind of aggressive and angry with Sam. Like she sees him and he looks fine. He looks okay. She's like, well, what happened to him while I was gone? Like, did he, was he beaten? Did he suffer the way that I suffered? Like she's almost like she's angry because she spent all this time worrying about him and he looks fine uh, without really knowing like what happened to him after she left. And then he tells her like he was beaten too and he was unconscious. Um, He's angry because she's just kind of falling back into things like nothing ever happened. And then at another point, he like that, he helps her with uh, scouting for this guy, Donoval who we find out is actually trying to help with liberating slaves. And it's his dirtbag ex-wife who's trying to establish slave trade. Um, and Sam helps her with scouting um, for the target. And they have this interesting moment where he's almost like, he wants to be friendly with her. And she's like, I don't know how to be anyone's friend. It's like, he's upset with her for not ha- being able to return some sort of friendly feelings she's like i don't i don't know how to do this yeah and especially she just got betrayed by her like one friend yeah you know 
I mean, it would be hard to trust again so so quickly, even though Sam hasn't really done much to betray her at this point or right. ever. Um, yeah. His um, declaration of love for her. Oh, my gosh. I know. It was so great. At this point in the story, I'm starting to be like, everything will be fine. I know. Like, you and know what's going to happen. And it's so frustrating because I know, I know he's going to die. I know it's coming, but I'm just like, just, just run away together. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I, ugh. I know. If you're trying it. to like guard your heart, like through reading this, I was like, I'm not going to get attached to Sam. I know he's going to die. And then Sarah J. Mass with her cleverness and her brilliant writing, like reels me right in. Uh-huh. right in here and I still end up heartbroken yeah but not until the next novella right <laughs> but I start like really into it. so in this I found it really interesting um Selena gives up she accepts her death in this Wait. what oh yeah you're right she does yep because she tells Sam, take me back, take my body, or bury my body in Terrazin, right? Her home country. And um, yeah, she kind of like accepts it. And Sam is not about that life. He's like, no. Um, gets people to save her and drag her out of the sewers. Ugh. But yeah, she she's like, oh, this is yeah, dead. <laughs> Just gonna die now. <laughs> Yeah. And that's different for, for Selena. She, through the series, I mean, she's, she's like Chumba Wumba over here. She gets knocked down, but she gets up again. Um, but the, I mean, this really does seem like a end of moat because sewer's filling up and she's about to drown. So um, I can't, I feel like mm, drowning in sewer water and then being revived would be so gross. So disgusting. Ugh. coughing up the water which ugh, uh, no, uh. stop it <laughs> stop right now <laughs> uh, so gross Ew. so oh that's how you get cholera <laughs> pink eye oh you're right definitely pink eye gross so gross so anyway, after that, he declares his love for her. And it's so, so good and sweet. Um, he says, I love you. I have for years. And he, Arabin, hurt you and made me watch because he's always known how I felt too. But if you asked, if I asked you to pick, you would choose Arabin and I can't take it. And she says to him, you're a damned idiot. You're a moron and an ass and a damned idiot. Um, he and, and it says he looked like she had hit him, but she went on and grasped both sides of his face because I'd pick you. And then she kissed him like that's such a great, it's a great moment for our girl because it's her first kiss. Yep. It's a big moment that she has been saving for something special for someone special. And it ends up being Sam, who she's perceived as an enemy up to this point. Again, it's just one of those elements that Sarah J. Mass uses to break your heart later. <laughs> 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 ah. 
No. It was really sweet, but it was also, oh, it was really rough and mm-hmm. things get rough. Um, we, so uh, up to this point and in the next story too, we see a different version of Selena than what, what we see in Throne of Glass. So Selena stays pretty cocky and arrogant. Um, she gets a little bit, a little get, a little bit more humility as the series goes on. But in this one, she's just so young, um, and we don't see like the critical thinking aspect in this one that we do as the series progresses, um, and that that ends up with her taking this contract with Donaval. And even though there's all of these signs that something suspicious is going on, um, like with Phillips who tells her like, he loves his, like Donaval loves his country as he, and then um, with the guy that she, like she finds the documents in Donaval's office that don't look like a slave contract, um, but look like places where safe houses are. Like there's all of these signs and this version of our Selena isn't putting it together. Yeah, we see she doesn't listen. This is like, this happens in the next one too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she doesn't listen to the people around her. She just makes these assumptions and is like, I'm right. I'm going to do what, you know, I was told to do. Or I'm going to do what I think is best without taking a moment to stop and think and analyze, which is something that, comes with experience but also comes with age you know mm-hmm. um and she you know Arabin's always telling her you're the best you're the best you're the best mm-hmm. um so she kind of doesn't want to listen to people obviously you know right and she trusts Arabin. which whatever that's whatever still at this point for some reason um that she's going to listen to what Arabin said over what, you know, a stranger said. Yeah. Um, I, it strikes me. I, I feel like Arabin is a pretty major weakness for her. And I don't know if it's because he's like a father figure to her. He helped raise her or, but she puts way too much trust in him when she knows he's untrustworthy mm-hmm. almost like she thinks she's the exception to his scheming or conniving or whatever and she's yeah. not she and she i don't know if she doesn't realize it or if she's just sort of like she recognize she thinks that you know he just is going to be this way with everyone else but not her um but she i mean it's somewhat of an eye-opening experience for her in this book, but she still doesn't completely learn her lesson from it. Yeah. Because she still trusts him. In the, yeah, I mean, she still trusts him even in the last novella. She's still believing in him, which is so frustrating because we know, we know she shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, and we can we can sort of use this to segue into the last novella. But let's talk about Selena and Arabin's relationship. Mm-hmm. It's really odd. 
Yes. Like we get, we get like these fatherly almost vibes from him. But then with his like using the money to buy Lysandra on her bidding night, it's like he's trying to make Selena jealous. And so is it like he's attracted to Selena and he's using that to try to provoke her um, into feeling something for him? Because in the next novella, the last one, it opens with Selena being really jealous, like that she's at the opera or whatever, the theater, and Arabin is there with Lysandra. And it's the same one that she's gone to the theater with Arabin for the last four years. And she's definitely like jealous that he's there with Lysandra on the night that she was always there with him. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder if she's like a little bit in like in love with Arabin or has some type of maybe not necessarily romantic feelings, but some kind of feelings for him. Yes, I agree. There's something there like, yes, he's this like father figure, but he's also he draws a line for not being her father either, you right. know he's kind of supportive of her but he will also beat her right he'll take her out and make her look like give her pretty things and dress her up and take her out to the um opera i guess yeah um yeah and flaunt her you know um and so she's getting like all of her self-worth from him yeah so when that's then placed on somebody else, in this case, Lysandra, um, that's now taken her spot of being the special person. Um, she's definitely has feelings about it. <laughs> um, odd and conflicting feelings. Cause it's this, I used to be that person for him, mm -hmm. you know, and now I'm not, and I don't want to be, but at the same time, I'm jealous of the person that is that now for him. Yeah. The Assassin and the Empire, the uh, story that broke our souls uh, and our hearts. Uh, <laughs> I knew, I, like, I knew what was going to happen. I knew. I, like, we knew what was going to happen, but we also didn't know the detail of what was going to happen either. I did, because you texted it to well, me. Well, that's I was right. Afraid. And well. I still, still cried. I still freaking cried. I don't like feeling this way. <laughs> <sighs> oh yeah so this story broke my heart it made me really sad what yep. about you oh yeah destroyed me yep. <laughs> they were so close marissa they were so close to being happy <sighs> they were so close and then her dreams were splattered across the pavement like frogger in the game getting hit by a car you know the frogger game i know i'm sorry it's just such a funny image <laughs> <laughs> um anyway but so we open in this story like you said with um her whatever with arabin watching arabin with lysander but this is um now her and sam have moved out of the keep they are in her apartment um but they cannot 
get any contracts so they are not making money and Sam resorts to like pit fighting mm-hmm. to make money which she does not like for obvious reasons um and they and Sam is just like well let's go somewhere we don't have to stay here we can go somewhere we can they want to like make their own key mm-hmm. you know it's like let's go somewhere we can go to a new like country we can go to a totally new continent you know when Sam's saying this she doesn't really agree to it at first you know yeah. um she's like oh well maybe she's scared to leave what's been kind of her home her home city even though now it's not very welcoming to her right um and the person that was her like father figure and her supporters just totally turned his back at this point on her um yeah yeah and sam's just like yeah well let's go and do something somewhere and it's like total bull that they have to buy themselves out of the guild as well i know (sighs) yep and uh, arabin conveniently names a number which is exactly like almost exactly the same as the amount of money that she has in savings Mm-hmm. that worked out conveniently for you sir yep yeah i think this is another situation where we've kind of got a little bit of complacency with uh selena too because it's like what's saying and even saying it's like what's keeping you here like there's there's nothing for us mm-hmm. why not start somewhere new she's like oh but they might not have running water like okay come on me better reasons yes yeah um and it, i guess it's just that fear of going away from what's been known to her before um, but sam's finally able to convince her <sighs> but he convinces her but they need money money and he takes a foolish contract mm-hmm. oh, i was so frustrated with sam i couldn't I had such a hard time understanding why he wanted to go after Farron by himself. I know. I mean, I think maybe it was just because the author had to come up with a reason. I mean, yeah. I I felt like that was kind of why I didn't feel like it didn't sit true to his character. I felt like that he would just be like, no, I'm going to go do it by myself because he's always been there for Selena and always been like, let me come with you. Let me help you. And she's also done the same for him. Yeah. So it really didn't fit with this character. I think maybe it just had to be written that way. Yeah. In order for him to meet his fate. Yeah. Um, Because it was weird. Yeah. She, the author does kind of plant these little seeds of like inequity between them. And that it, part of me makes me wonder, part of it makes me wonder if he like was doing, he chose to do this out of just like pride to prove being, and I think Selena mentions this a couple of times or at least once as well, where it's like she, Sam was always second best relative to her. Um, mm-hmm. Sam um, wasn't able to buy his own freedom. Selena did to so Sam bought his freedom or Sarah or, oh gosh the names Selena <laughs> bought his freedom and then Selena used all of her money because Sam didn't have any to buy out their their whatever with the Assassin's Guild and Selena uh, was the one that had the apartment that he was living in and so uh, and she always got the highest paying contracts too and so it's almost like we've got these um, seeds of inequity between them and it's like Sam is trying to 
prove that he doesn't have to rely on her to to take the steps to achieve the future that they want, which is foolish. Yeah, I just, I didn't peg him to be so stupid yeah. like this. So with his life, I was just yes. like, what is happening? This is your life. This is the lame is like, yeah. come and on. He's like, I don't want you involved with this. And she's like, uh, I'm number one over here. <laughs> I'm the number one assassin. So why, why not? Like I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And that, that, so that doesn't really ring true with them. Yeah. Um, but she's like, fine, I'm going to take out Yoan and you're going to do exactly what I say. He's like, okay, fine. So I feel like Arabin manipulated this situation from the very beginning. Yeah. I feel like, because Sam may, like he specifically says they didn't want this deal with Rourke Farron and Yaron Jane to go through the guild. Mm -hmm. um, somebody else in like a hood, like ambiguous person in a hood who he never saw their face approached him. Well, that could be anybody. Okay. Um, and then Arabin turns up and he knows, so he's very, I mean, he's, he knows Selena. He's very manipulative. I feel like he turned up and it's like manipulating her. Like, don't do this. Don't do this knowing that him saying don't do this is going to push her to do it like any trepidation she may have had be like yeah well if he doesn't think i should do it then i'm definitely gonna do it um and also her goal is to get away from him and this is the thing that like if that's pushing her like now i have to do it to get away from this guy like okay there's that um but then the, he makes this comment at the end oh what does he say i don't like sharing my things at the very end of the that's the very end of this at the very the end story. he says i don't like sharing my things mm -hmm. um, and so that makes me think that he manipulated this and the things that rourke says to selena after she's been captured makes me think that and also so that i'm building a case here the things that rourke says the things that arabin says at the, at the end of the book and then after sam dies we'll go back to sam's death but after sam dies um, they have that like whispered, audibly whispered conversation outside of Selena's door. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. They're making these plans to go like avenge Sam's death. I thought that was so weird. I was like, why would they avenge Sam's death? Yeah. And they're having this like audibly whispered conversation outside of her door and they're making these plans and she hears them. And then uh, Arrowbin locks her in her room and she's like I know you didn't lock like I'm my own woman I do what I want you're not gonna lock me in and in a rage takes off and she talks earlier in the story about how Arrowbin to get her to torture people and as part of their training would tell her all of this awful stuff about the person to incite her fury so that she could tor torture them so she could inflict harm and this is another situation where he's doing the same thing He's using her grief and her rage to get her to act. Um, and so I think he manipulated this situation by having Sam killed or setting Sam up to be killed um, to get Selena to act, to try to take out Rourke so that Rourke could ascend to be the, the lord of the crime world or crime lord or whatever. Um, but also... Arabin gets to enact his petty retribution for Selena choosing Sam over him. So there's this sweet 
kind of scene where so this is a mantra throughout the whole series mm. you okay marissa nope not i'm not okay so selena will always say my name is selena sardothian and i will not be afraid and we find out in this book that it comes that sam taught her that he used to say my name is sam Cortland, and i will not be afraid and she kind of laughs at him and is like does that work and he's like a lot of times no but sometimes and then this becomes this ongoing theme you know mm-hmm. um throughout her whole life or well you know throughout her life, at least throughout the whole book uh, the whole series and to have the origin now of where this came from has a totally different meaning when you go and read the, the main series it so does completely different um uh, it's like kind of a little piece of sam that she takes with her mm-hmm. everywhere and oh god so sweet oh oh it hurts me it hurts me then it comes back particularly at the end of this book um after she's been sentenced um after she's captured and been sentenced and she's been taken to Endovir. um they arrive at the death camp and she's super fearful she wills herself to stand in her prison wagon and it takes her three times to say she says I'm Selena Sardathian and I will not be afraid it's such a oh, it's such a powerful moment it's I mean it's so so sad because you know she's thinking of Sam um but it also I mean it in, a, in the face of something truly horrible it's bringing her strengths like because I knew he how he was get, like you told me like his fingers are a bit wrong. Like, and I, I knew that it was going to be bad. Um, and I held it together until they were like, mm, he doesn't have eyes anymore. It's like, uh, and then she said, like, she smelled, like she gets on the thing with him and she smells him. And she says the body still smelled faintly like Sam and like the cheap soap that she'd made him use because she was so selfish that she couldn't let him have her lavender soap that I wept that broke me apart you know you think about like silly things like that like um the soap like her expensive soap she didn't want him to use it because he's you know a, a fella I guess and wouldn't and she like she prizes her and there's you know the they're low on money so she doesn't have her expensive toiletries on an endless supply anymore and she gets really defensive about this soap and then at the end it's like she it was so petty it was so unimportant that thing Ugh. i am hurt i i hurt why do you think that arabin chose not to save selena um well i he says it doesn't he does he i don't remember that's when he says he doesn't want to share his possessions well yeah but like sam's dead what else is there to share well nobody else to share with i think it's kind of like her punishment from him as well you know um yeah sam is dead but now he's not going to swoop in and save her because he she left him to begin with right Mm -hmm. And so this is her punishment on top of that, on top of 
losing her, you know, um, her love on top of being sentenced to become a slave in the salt mines. Uh, on top of that, she's got Arab and basically being, well, if you didn't do this, I would have saved you. Yeah. So. I hate that even at the end, because we know, we know based on what Arabin says that he betrayed her. She doesn't complete, like she knows someone betrayed her. Wesley, Arabin's guard, who was fond of Sam, like catches her as she's escaping from the keep, the keep and is like, Selena, you have to stop and think. Like, it's not what it seems like. And she like doesn't listen. She is so blinded by her rage and her grief. I'm like, girl, stop. Um, and, and after she gets captured, she's like processing a little bit and she's like, oh, someone set me up, but she still believes in Arabin. And that's so, I was so disappointed because I mean, we know that he set her up, but she doesn't, but I guess it just disappointed me that she was still like hoping that he would come and rescue her. Um. I don't know. Like she's being, she's stuck in the dungeons and she's being dragged off to Indovir and she's still thinking like Arabin will come and get me. I like, uh, I like at the end as they're going into Oakvall Forest, a white stag appears. It's a, a magical beast. It's a white stag, symbolic of her homeland, Terrison. Yes. Uh, and she like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a really powerful moment. And she needed it. She needed that, that type of thing to happen for it. Cause she's brought so, so low by her grief and by being sentenced to Indovir. You know, she was hoping that the king would just execute her and it would be quick. And a death in Indovir is not going to be quick and it's going to be painful. And so she's just so downtrodden in that moment. And, she sees the white stag and it's so it brings her so much comfort um, yeah because the white stag is it's so the people of Terrison will always know how to find their way home so it's like symbolic of her uh, maybe like being able to find her way home at some point or something i just i like that for her and then when she finally does arrive at Indovir, there's a a wind or breeze from Terrison that comes through and it brings with it the scent of pine and snow, which becomes significant going forward. It's just some, I mean, it ends on a really sad and dark note, but there's those little glimmers of hope. Let's talk about our quotes. I think yes. I already said that one. My name is Selena Sardothian and I will not be afraid. Yeah. I said it a bunch too. <laughs> I mean, it's just a really good one. I really like this quote that uh, Selena, it's said about Selena in the assassin in the desert after Ansel leaves her, drugs her and leaves her in the desert. Uh, and she realizes what's happened. She says, or this, it says, one warrior might not make a difference against 200, but she was Selena Sardothian that had to count for something that did count for something. I like that because it, it so does. <laughs> I mean, that, that being Selena Sardothian counts for something and it comes back so many times in the series. Yeah. So 
What about you? What quotes did you like? So I picked, I actually, um, so I picked one where she was, when she was being um, shipped off to Endovir, she said, it says, she would go into Endovir, go into hell, and she would not crumble. And I was like, yes, you go. Do not crumble. You can do it. Yes. Um, and yeah, I loved that. Her fierceness, her inner strength sort yes. of um, for it. And just the, this important telling yourself over and over, you'll be okay, like mm-hmm. to be strong. Um, the other one I picked was Sam says it. It's so sweet. Oh, Sam. Oh, gosh. Wherever you go, I go. Even if that means going to hell itself, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. <laughs> oh, my heart. Sam. Sam. So sweet. Um, yeah. Okay. Those are my quotes. Good quotes. Good, good choices. Thank you. Mm. Any final thoughts on this book? I loved and hated this book. (laughs) Yeah, same. So that wraps up our um, coverage of The Assassin's Blade. You should join us next week. We'll be discussing Throne of Glass. We have a special guest. We'll be discussing Throne of Glass with uh, Stacy, who she has a really fantastic TikTok page. It's called uh, Stace Bookspace. Um, and she is hysterical and we are super excited to be chatting with her so we hope you join us for that thank you for listening to literary quest we hope you enjoyed our episode if you'd like to follow us on social media we can be found at literary quest podcast on instagram or facebook You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.